Thank you for downloading this episode of the Cast Iron Theatre Podcast. I'm Michelle Donkin. I'm Andrew Allen. And we're on episode 34. Yeah, where we're talking all things about the Magician's Dilemma, an upcoming show at the Purple Playhouse in early December. And we're speaking to John Wells and Sophie Summer about all of that. Mm. We've got lots of things coming up. We've got three things coming up before the end of the year. Yeah. On the 5th of December, we've got the Cast Iron Theatre Podcast Christmas Live edition. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be amazing. Being Christmas, we're talking about board games, and there's a reason for that. Yeah, we've got the creator of uh, the Zombie M1 and BN1 um, board game. Brighton-themed board games. Yeah, Yeah. I'm super excited about that. That's Paul Stapleton. Yeah. Our other guest as well is improv legend Jenny Rowe from the Maydays. And we may also have a little bit of music. We may do. Yeah, so come along to that. We will... We'll be uh, beginning our Christmas celebrations there. There may be Santa hats. There may be Christmas jumpers. There may be a couple of crackers. Maybe a couple of mince pies. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be good. I'm getting very excited for that. So that's on the 5th of December at 8pm at the uh, Sweet Duke Box. And it's a £5 ticket, so do come along. Yeah, also at the uh, Duke Box on the 12th of December, also at 8pm, we have Cacophony for one night only, our Edinburgh Fringe show. Yeah. So we got some nice words said about us and we got even nominated for an award. We did. We got nominated for the Infallibles Award and we're very proud about that. So, yeah, we know that we've uh, had a couple of you get in contact to say, when is it coming back to Brighton um, because you didn't get a chance to see it back in July or in August in Edinburgh and so that's at your one chance to see it this year on the 12th of December at 8pm at the Duke Box Theatre yeah and uh, on the 18th of December we've got Cast Iron Selection Box um, and that's again that's at 8pm it's our I think it's about our third annual selection box yes, isn't it, is, it? Yeah. and uh, actually if you're listening now and you're listening before the 18th you can um, you can get involved you can write a script for us we're looking for plays for the uh, selection box there we're hoping that you'll give them a Christmas theme light hearted sort of thing but the things that we do want you to uh, pay attention to are that they should be two handers you know literally for two uh, actors uh, about five minutes ish and um Ignore any um, age or gender sort of specifications. Mm. Try to write for no particular age. Try to write for no particular gender. And uh, what happens with selection box is we wrap them up in um, Christmas gift wrap, yeah. and we don't show them to the actors. No, they 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 will be unwrapping them live on stage in front of the audience. No uh, run through, no rehearsal, no direction. It's going to be terrifying for those performers. And it's hilarious for the audience usually it's a really lovely light-hearted Christmassy event and it's just a really lovely end to the cast iron year yeah so if you want to get in touch and sort of uh, give us your short Christmas theme play uh, you can email that to us at um, what's our email address? it is cast underscore iron at Outlook.com. It See, is. I wanted to say that, but I got nervous. No, me too. Yeah. I, I forgot what act it was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that's right, yeah, isn't absolutely. it? It's, it's one of those things that you type every day, you yeah. write every day, and then you suddenly go, hang on a minute. Yeah. But it is. It's yeah. cast underscore iron at 
outlook.com. I nearly forgot it again then. <laughs> and actually, yes, you can find us on Facebook on the Cast Iron Theatre. You can find us on Twitter on Cast underscore Iron Acts. Uh, but there's also other ways you can, you know, this podcast, if you want to sort of um, rate us, subscribe to us, uh, say nice yeah. things to us, you'll find us. Um, you probably already have found us on soundcloud.com. Um, what on, else? We're also on iTunes. You can follow the podcast itself on Twitter at sitpod. Um, so it's C-I-T and then underscore P-O-D. C-I-T underscore P-O-D. Yeah. So cast iron theatre. Pod podcast. I see it's how it works now. Yeah. It's great. I yeah. love that. Sit pod. Excellent. Yeah. Um, we're also on the lookout for patrons as well. So if you'd like, if you really enjoy the podcast, then donate, become a patron. Uh, we do this for free. We do we this do. for the love of it, and we're happy to do it. But if you would like to contribute to make the uh, podcast even better, yeah. maybe pay for a couple of mince pies for yeah. our podcast live event, then do feel free to contribute. And the way that you can do that is through patreon.com and search for Cast Iron Theatre Podcast. Um, the website itself is in American dollars. So um, if you donate $5 per month, yeah. You get your name read out on our credit. Fantastic. And there are lots of other rewards on there too. Yeah. Uh, they begin at $1 and go much, much higher. So get involved, become part of the podcast yourself and always, you know, feel free to uh, send us your questions, send us your thoughts, rate, review, subscribe, all of those lovely things. And conversely, if you don't enjoy the podcast and you think it's a bit amateur, then that's also an excellent reason to sort of contribute funds so that we can up our game. Yeah, absolutely. We will take that yeah. on board yeah. with pleasure. Just send that along to us and we will, we will rise to that challenge. Accept your feedback. Yeah. We, we shall. We'll accept your feedback in financial form. That's it, I suppose. It really is. So this is episode 34. Uh, it's a lovely, fun little one. Yeah. Have fun. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Cast Iron Theatre podcast recorded here at the Sweet Duke Box in Brighton. And today our guests are uh, Bubble Wells, that's the name of the company, yeah? Yeah, that's the name of the company. And uh, where does that name come from? The director kind of told me to use my name rather than his because he's very kind. Okay, okay. Um, so your name is Bubble? No. No? The, my, name is, <laughs> my name is Wells. Okay. Bubble, Bubble can be my middle name. Oh, okay. <laughs> Um, if your nickname was Bubble, why would we have given you that nickname? Uh, well, it was kind of given to me again by the director because he, the director is also kind of my acting mentor yeah. figure. So he does, uh, he makes me do the circles of concentration. Yes. Uh, like first, second, third, um, Stan Slasky style stuff. Yeah. Uh, so it's like the bubble type thing. So yeah. like you don't let anyone else interfere with your first bubble okay um unless you want them to okay i think that's good advice for life really isn't it nobody can interfere with your first bubble unless you want them to exactly yeah i think that's good advice uh so your first name is your 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 actual hello what's your name john wells hello john wells (laughs) and uh also in the room we have sophie summer hello you both so uh you are making up bubble wells so sophie your name isn't part of the company no, no, I don't worry. I'm just the lead actress, really. I um, love that line. I'm, I'm, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just the lead actress. There we go. So, um, 
And uh, we're here to talk about um, Bubble Wells' uh, next production, uh, mm-hmm. uh, which is coming, um, when is it? The 1st and 2nd of December. 1st and 2nd of December, and it's called The Magician's Dilemma. The... Uh, how many uh, dilemmas does a magician have? I, in this production, have way too many. Yeah. Uh, but it's a dilemma out of two unfavourable outcomes. Okay. That's cool. what we really had, was that the tickets got printed. Yes. And dilemma was spelt wrongly. Oh, excellent. It was spelt dilemma. <laughs> well, um... It was quite funny. It sounds like, um, an in- instruction from somebody who is not a vegetarian. Dilemma, <laughs> dilemma. Um... <laughs> So it's on the 1st and 2nd of December. Mm-hmm. Uh, John, you yourself, you, you are a magician? Yes. What's your specialism what, uh, in terms of, I guess not such a layman question, but what type of magician are you? Uh, I've covered a lot of different areas of magic and a lot of different styles. I think close-up card magic is my forte. Yeah. Like my through and through, if I had to do something, I'd probably pull out a deck of cards. Yeah. Uh, but I've also done like four years of escapology okay. uh, and about three years of stage magic. So I've kind of combined close-up with stage illusions and Darren Brown type stuff that I thought was amazing when I was slightly younger then realised I was just kind of copying him. I see, yeah. So I stopped that. <laughs> <laughs> At least you admit it. Oh, yeah. Uh, so many of us do never, ever give up. Uh, have you ever been the sort of magician who uh, will habitually have a packet of cards to hand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think a year ago, prior, you would never see me out the house or indeed in the house without a deck of cards in my pocket or my hands. Would it be a, like a linus blanket sort of thing? Was it security? Yeah. Would you feel anxious leaving the house without was, a pack of cards? It was pretty much my, uh, my snuggle blanket, yeah. lucky charm, rabbit, teddy type thing. Were you ever, this is an unfair question because I'm springing it on you, um, did you ever have a a card trick that is reasonably your own? I know there's a lot of crossover and there will be, like, there's no such thing as an original idea necessarily, sure. but uh, were you ever able to devise a trick that you go, no, 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 that's my version, I own that? Not with cards. No? I've done it with other things. Yeah. Whereas cards have been around for longer than magic. Yes. Uh, so playing cards have been along, around for much longer than magic's been yeah. around. So that means pretty much uh, people have figured out... Every trick has been done. Everything you can kind of do with a deck of playing cards. There are some incredible minds that still produce fairly original magic. Yeah. But they all stem from tricks that have done before. Yeah. So sometimes the methods can be original but the effect and what the spectator sees is the same. Sure. Um, it's you know, almost the same trick, but a different bodywork. Yeah, exactly. um, and we should acknowledge, we should say that um, The Magician's Dilemma, the show, it's not in of itself a magic show, necessarily. No, no. So, so I got bored <laughs> of being the, oh, look at me, I'm a magician. Please come to my stage show. Look how amazing I am. Look what I can do. Uh, so well, if you're going to say it like that... <laughs> well, that's what magicians do. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll get a lot of heat from other magicians from, for saying that, but it's true. Okay. Um, so, so I decided to write a play instead, because that's a much more humble way of, of being... Absolutely. Putting ownership on every single element of the show. Yeah, exactly. So, so I decided to write a play about a magician yeah. uh, who I could play and kind of show off slightly, but focusing on the story, um, which is quite a new thing that I haven't really seen much of. 
so I started with the story without thinking about any magic, any yeah. magic tricks at all. Uh, and then developed fairly unique, fairly new magic to go with the story. Rather yeah. than trying to create a story for a magic trick, sure. I just created or slotted in magic to the story. So yeah. it's slightly more organic. How new are you necessarily to the, 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 the medium of writing a story or writing a play? Pretty new. Yeah. Uh, I've done a fair few writing courses and I've always been okay at writing. Um, I've dabbled in a tiny bit of poetry, not good at any standard. Okay. Like, it doesn't stand up at all. But I try. Yeah, no, trying is good. <laughs> uh, and then writing, I've been, I've been trying to write a show for about two years. Uh, so I've been researching a hell of a lot. Uh, and it, watching and listening to interview after interview of really good writers that I admire. Yeah. And trying to read as many books as I can. Read. I went through a phase of reading a play every day. Yeah. From like Harold Pinter and and people of that genre, that era. Yeah. This is the advice a lot of uh, new writers are given: is to mm. you know read lots of uh, plays. What and there, I'm assuming there becomes a mechanics about it. Uh, you begin begin to see the machinery under the play. Uh, what did you learn about how to write a play? Not necessarily that you, you, you have applied it to your own work, yeah. but what did you learn about writing a play? Um, dialogue. Yeah. I learned that dialogue, natural-sounding dialogue, is very hard. Yes, it can be, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's the hardest part of writing a play, is, is the dialogue. Yeah, it, it, you know, I mean, we often say to each other in real life, would you like a cup of tea? Mm. But that doesn't necessarily follow to be a good dialogue no. in a play. <laughs> And just to, uh, to point out the obvious, um, dialogue rather than monologue is, you know, a conversation between mm. two people. So this is an uh, opportune time to, to say uh, hello to Sophie. Um, how did you find yourself involved in the dilemma? Well, I'm actually quite happy with everything we're doing. I'm learning a lot of magic, which yeah. is quite exciting. Are you, are you totally new to magic? I'm totally new to magic. Yeah. I have never even watched magic shows. Oh, I see. So you basically introduced me to magic, really. You're and welcome. <laughs> yes, thank you. And I've enjoyed doing it so far. We're learning a trick called metamorphosis. Yes. I'm learning how to make cards appear and how to get out of police, real police handcuffs. Fantastic. Which is quite exciting. Which is, a, you know, um, not always the most advisable thing to be doing with a gentleman <laughs> that you've just met. Uh, True, but it's, it's all about, it, uh, it's a trust-worthy and uh, worthy and... Uh, mutually respective environment, I'm, I'm sure. Um, but how did you get involved in that, this environment? Did, did you answer an advert? Uh, how did you get involved? So basically, because um, I do acting and modelling full-time, yeah. so I'm always checking out the newest cast. Of course, and yeah. Everything. I saw this casting and I approached um, John and came to the audition, which I was very relaxed about because I go to many auditions. <laughs> and then I got recalled, and on the recall, I'm always very nervous any yes. audition any recall makes me very nervous so I came back why why is that why are you more nervous on the recall than you are on the first audition so the first audition is the people the casting directors and everything they're usually checking out your look yeah. and your personality yeah. to see if you fit the role sure and as soon as you've passed that stage you officially fit the role and then it's about your acting technique yes then it's about how good you are it begins to matter exactly yeah 
So that always scares me because I don't mind if I don't fit a character. Yeah. But I do mind if my acting technique isn't very good. <laughs> yeah. And indeed, it might be also not even in terms of acting ability. It might be that they saw something on that first audition. Exactly. And you're sort of going... Oh, what did I see? Yes, Can I do yeah. that again? Oh, apologies if that's not a concern that you've previously thought and now you <laughs> will be true. thinking that. That's <laughs> true, though. Um, so, if you're new to magic, have you been um, trying new tricks on friends and family? Have you been... Uh, are you I, a bit I of an evangelist? Actually, yeah, yeah. I've, showed, I've showed my friends how to make cards appear. Yeah. Which wasn't very impressive because I'm not necessarily good at it yet. Yeah. <laughs> Still got two weeks until the show to learn. TikTok, but... <laughs> TikTok. <laughs> I can make cards disappear and also exactly. time disappear. Yeah. yeah. I tried to teach my dad, but he said his fingers were too fat. Oh, I see. <laughs> uh, John, is, is, that, is that a thing? Uh, can one's fingers be too fat to be a successful close-up magician? Uh, I know guys that struggle with the what's considered finger-flinging, knuckle-busting card <laughs> mechanic technique. That just sounds like an advert for Pepsi from the 1970s. <laughs> <laughs> It's probably come from, from that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah. Your fingers do get to a point where it does get harder to manipulate objects. Okay. So, uh, without being too morose about it, if you are sort of older and arthritic, that, that's clearly going to be a challenge. Yeah. For, for learning. I mean, if you've been doing it all your life, I know guys who are 95 yeah. and are much better at card slides than I am. Yeah. Because it's now just ingrained into their... Bones, muscle, muscle memory, memory yeah, and, yeah. and everything. Um, is it a two-person show? Uh, it's technically four-person. Yeah, but one of the people is a is a, uh, is a <laughs> plant. Oh, I see. Um, we can safely edit that out of the finished uh, podcast if no, you so no, wish. No, the a plant as in like a flower. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, so not you know because some of us who know about uh, magic shows or whatever, yeah, yeah. well, yeah. there might be a plant in the audience. No, and, no. Uh, have a plant we on stage? Have we met? <laughs> so you're talking to a Triffid, basically. Yeah. Saying to much. a Triffid, have we met before? Uh, no, we haven't uh, at all. So. That's interesting. Yeah. A plant on stage. Uh-huh. Played by a person. Played by a person. Yeah. Um, and you read Pinter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think that... Uh, does the plant talk? It does. It does? It talks back. It talks back. Yeah. Excellent. Is it like a, a big green mother from outer space? Type? No, no. 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 <laughs> See, this is all very intriguing. I, I feel like we have to uh, turn up to see the play. Um... <laughs> Where is uh, where are we performing? It'll be put on at the Purple Playhouse on the top of Montefiore Road. Yes, that's the Grace Air Building. Excellent, which is a, a lovely space and a lovely. It's just off the um, Seven Dials, really. Yeah, about four much. minutes, uh, about a three-minute walk from Baswick, for instance. Yeah, it's like literally opposite one of the Baswick uh, fields. That's right. Yeah, and are you the director as well? No. But I am kind of like... You know what you want. Yeah, I know what I want. So You're kind so of co-directing it. I yeah, semi, semi. Yeah, but we're all putting putting input in as much as we can. Yeah. Because the more ice on the play, the mm. better. Absolutely. Uh, how is that when the writer is literally in the room? Um, do you feel empowered to be able to go, no, actually, that's not a good <laughs> idea? Or how, how unmoving or... Accommodating is John to his script being taken out of his hands. To be honest, I have always been brutally honest. Yeah. There have been cases where I said, okay, I don't think this scene really works. Okay. I'm not a fan of it. 
I always say it's completely up to John. Yeah. I'm just giving out my opinion. Of course, yeah. I will perform it and learn it if you like it. Yeah. But luckily, we're kind of all on the same page. And Fantastic. we all understand each other and we see what really works and what really doesn't. Yeah. Like the scene that uh, I wrote in whilst rehearsing, I kind of edited in a new snippet to a scene, gave it to everyone, and, and you were like, <laughs> oh, yeah, no. I, I looked at it and I was just like, um... Yeah, well, you might want to take that out. <laughs> that and, literally... and, and how soon after you said that did it come back out? Literally, wasn't it the same day? Same day. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm not too precious about no. it. <laughs> but it, this is a, a new experience for you as well as, as yeah. a writer, yeah. and it's quite interesting that you are writing. There's a bit of a shorthand for you, I assume, in that you're writing essentially for yourself. Yeah. So you know that certain lines that you've got to write for yourself, yeah. you're probably going to be capable of. Sure. Um, but also it means that occasionally you're going to be buried too deep into it, so you yeah. need those extra eyes to yeah. step out and go, actually, I have no idea because I've yeah. not been pro- uh, previously in these conversations, but it might be that you have been writing three pages that are really important plot-wise, mm. but anybody else can tell you, no, no, you're just waffling. Yeah, and no, that's so, said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's been said to all of us. Pinter a lot. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> and so this is an experience that can be quite sort of, um, not mollifying, what's the word? Um, it can potentially bruise your ego. Yeah, yeah, there are... <laughs> Only very, very occasionally yeah. does it actually genuinely hurt. Um, like, I think it's happened twice where there's been, like, a line or, like, an exchange of lines from two characters that I I really like because personal reasons. Yeah. Um, and both the director and the, like, whole team have gone, uh, no. Yeah. Like, it's just... That's not working. You can probably put those lines into into lifeboats and save them for another script. Yeah, uh, there's um, uh, an old line which you may have read in your lots of research that um, is reasonably familiar, but as a new writer you might not know it, about killing your darlings. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the whole idea about, oh, I love that line. Yes, 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 that's why you must let it die. Mm, exactly. Um, there's been a few deaths, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And coughing up blood. No. Um, is this the next chapter for you? Uh, do you feel that you're moving into more into narratives and plays that might employ magic? Possibly plays that will not employ magic at all? Or can you see yourself going back to like a full hour or a full half hour of a magic show? I can see all of that happening, yeah. to be fair. I'm just going to have to make a very conscious decision of what I want to do. Yeah. Because I know if I try and do all of them or both of them, that they both won't be so good. I see, um, yeah. However, I, it is something that I really want to start doing, uh, like the play style, because it's, mm, it's a much better way of storytelling. I think... Uh, what I was struggling with was with magic shows was trying to get anything across to the audience apart from, well, that was cool. How did yeah. he do it? I think there's uh, been a, a surge of that in various forms over yeah. the past few years. I, I'm probably misquoting five or ten years, <laughs> but I, there certainly has been in the last ten years 
you've been very we've been very aware of stand up comics yeah. having a particular story or a theme to mm. hang their out on. It's not sure. just a collection of jokes, it's a collection of jokes that is about their relationship with their father yeah. or their dog or their cheesecake. Yeah. Or all three of those things. Oh, oh you're on that, you're on the cheesecake <laughs> thing. <laughs> I love what, cheesecake. What's your favourite flavour of cheesecake? I think it's raspberry, raspberry? New York cheesecake. Ah, New York cheesecake. Um, John, what's your favourite flavour of cheesecake? Uh, probably blueberry. Blue, oh, blueberry. I never tried blueberry. You, oh my god. I'm baking some. You, you, do you bake for rehearsals? Do you bring biscuits? I haven't yet, I but I should. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. You can bake too. Can you no. bake? I, I've been known to bake a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm assuming it's not like, you know, illegal hash brownies. What have, <laughs> what have you baked that you've been known to bake? I've been known to bake many things. <laughs> that sounds so weird. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Okay, it's something that we might be able to edit from the, the final edit. No, I just have, I go through, like, sometimes I just really fancy warm brownies or cookies. Sure. Not, not funny brownies. No, no, no. Just normal, genuine brownies. But what I love about that phrase is I've been known to bake <laughs> as if it is passed into legends. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I've baked enough. I have been known to <laughs> pour <laughs> cornflakes into a bowl and add cold milk. This has been said about me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been said that I have baked before. Yeah, in a police report. No. Um, I will need to teach you a great recipe because there's a German recipe I always bake every year around Christmas, yeah. which is called Husarenkrapfen. Many people will just look at me like, what the hell is that? But it's actually amazing. It's yeah. a soft cookie. Yes. Very dirty. Um, with a little hole in the middle. Yeah. Which you fill with jam. Oh, and yes. You bake it a tiny little bit so it's still like creamy and yeah. lovely. And that's it. It's very easy, and yeah. I'm baking those this year. Fantastic. Possibly for rehearsals, if I get time, because we're yes. literally working all day, every day. Really. Yes, that's true. We really are. You should, uh, John, you should write a scene in the narrative in which the characters <laughs> consume <laughs> baked products. And I, I'm, I'm going to put money down now. I don't think your cast will ditch that scene. No, I, I, I think everyone will be fairly supportive of oh, yeah. all of the actors oh, yeah. at some point came on stage and consumed baked goods. Yeah. You'll have to write the scene with the tailor and with the plant as well, yeah. so these and, people and can the enjoy plant, yeah. Exactly. Eating, very important, yeah. very important. How, how does um, a plant eat baked products? You, you make a smoothie and okay. then pour it into the water. Pour it into, oh, I see. A cookie smoothie. Yeah. A cookie Ooh, like smoothie. Like shake away kind yeah, of stuff. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Ooh, yummy. Yeah. Um, what, okay, what's your favourite milkshake? My favourite milkshake? Yeah. It's always going to be Oreo milkshake. Oh, or okay. peanut butter. Oh, you like peanut butter? Yeah. Peanut butter yeah. milkshake is amazing. Yeah. Like, um, Gourmet Burger Kitchen does a really nice one. Oh, yes, yeah, so I like the, um, the caramel, uh, the, what's the fashionable thing at the moment? Um, salted caramel? Salted caramel, <gasps> yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm dreaming about, I'm going to get one later. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's quite cold for milkshakes now, though. I know, yeah. right? Yeah. But it's never too cold for milkshake. Okay, really. I like the at the um, the, the JDs at the uh, bottom of uh, near the beach, uh, the American diner. Oh yeah. Um, oh, I've been there. The, the cherry milkshake there is very good. Cherry milkshake. Oh, cherry milkshake is very good. I'll need to try it. Oh, there's, also, there's obviously the um, you can make milkshakes at home as well. Yeah. How do we go into this conversation? <laughs> um, you can make milkshakes at home, and they're, they're like Crusher, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Other brands are available, mm-hmm. probably. Um, and you have the stra- strawberry and the banana yeah. and the chocolate uh, and vanilla. You can get crushed uh, vanilla. There was one that I always liked. They don't have it anymore because nobody bought it because mm. it sounds horrible, but I liked it. 
which was lime milkshake. Okay. Oh, that sounds... See, there you go. Those expressions are actually quite positive. Yeah. Normally I get expressions of absolute disgust. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I think it's because of the idea of the citrus with the milk. Yeah. It puts people off. I kind of like the idea, to be honest. Yeah. I want to try it. Yeah. I think it's deleted. They're uh, not deleted. No. Uh, discontinued now. <laughs> you can make it. You can just pour some fresh lime into. No, I think some I, th- I think that it. would literally be what people think <laughs> the horrible milkshake is. That that that, that way, that's like oil and water. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, wow. So we've spoken about baked products. We've spoken about milkshakes. We've very well, briefly, yeah, we've very right. briefly spoken about magic. Um, <laughs> when you were. Growing up, uh, John, um, or even in your more recent years, what, who was important for you in magic? Or, or, or that sort of, because I'm thinking of um, the uh, sort of early work of even someone like Steve Martin, uh, okay. his, his early career with a lot of close-up magic. Yeah, well. he, he's a very good magician yeah. who does it more secretly. Yeah. Uh, not many people know that he is actually a very good, Wait skilled magician. Wait a minute, are we talking Steve Martin, actor? Yeah, actor, <gasps> comedian, no, band player, him. magician. A lot of his early work I was um, when he was doing, not the Catskills, but a lot of um, like nightclub cabaret stuff was... Wow. Um, and oddly enough, it had some sort of similarities of all people to Tommy Cooper in that some of the gags yeah. would be that he couldn't get the trick right. For sure. Do you remember his, his act called uh, Fly Dini? I think so. It's been a while. Because uh, there's, for anyone who doesn't know, there's a really good, uh, almost professor of magic who everyone in the magic community looks at to go, oh, he was one of the best. Yeah. Uh, who's called Slidini. Uh, I think 70s, even early as 60s. Possibly, yeah. yeah. Um, and everyone kind of took his work as well as a guy called Di Vernon, who is the professor, professor of magic. Um, and I think Steve Martin took Slidini's name and kind of spoofed it a little bit yeah. and did Flydini and would do magic acts completely revolving around the use of his zipper on his trousers. <laughs> uh, like he'd answer a telephone from it uh, that was like corded to his, his pants or somewhere, God knows. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And just this third hand would come out. The trunk call. Yeah. yeah. And uh, just producing like everything from, from there, so... It was a different time. It was a different time. It's amazing. Um, so, uh, I, I said Steve Martin, was there anybody else that you admired or uh, really enjoyed the work of? Uh, there's a guy called Ricky Jay. Yeah. Who, in my opinion, is one of the best card guys that I know of. Um, he's still around. He was big in the 80s and 90s and is one of the best well-read magicians of all time. Yeah. He knows the history of magic like no one else. Uh, the only person that can kind of come parallel to him is Teller from Penn and Teller. Yeah. And they both have almost the same size magic collection library study. Yeah. Uh, and they just read books and books upon magic. So he was a big influence of mine. Uh, who then, he took influence of uh, Howard Thurston, um, and all of the like last great magicians uh, of the century, going from like 1905 to 1925. Yeah. Uh, so it kind of he pat- he patches the gap for me between modern magic and the era of magic that I truly love. Yeah. So that that's a really nice halfway house. Excellent. Uh, Sophie, you were saying that you 
before the Middleton's Dilemma, you weren't that familiar with magic? No, not at all, really. I, I did when I was a little girl. Yeah. I had a little box yeah. with like magic tricks okay. and instructions for it. I remember when I was like nine years old, I'd pretend to be a magician, yeah. but that's literally everything. Do you remember any memory. tricks you did as a nine-year-old? Honestly, yeah. my memory is terrible. Oh, okay, so no. <laughs> so no. So you wouldn't be good at you wouldn't be good at memory tricks then. <laughs> you know, I don't even know how I do so well on remembering lines. I mean, we both we both have to remember a yeah. play that's an hour and a half long, really. An hour and a half with a fifteen-minute interval. Yeah. And I have because I have done mainly screen acting before because sure. that's what I'm mainly trained in. Yeah. I'm also trained in theatre, but mainly screen acting. So I was like, oh my god, how am I going to remember so many lines? Yeah. And honestly. It's worked really well. I'm really, really happy so with I, myself and with you and yeah. with everyone. Thank you. So I, I asked John, uh, as a magician, uh, what magicians he admired. You, you were speaking about screen acting and stage mm-hmm. acting and also being a model. Uh, out of those uh, three categories, are there people that you have admired or went, oh, that's, I'd like to emulate that person or I really admire that person. Mm-hmm. Is there anybody that you similarly admire? Well, I really, really do admire Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. He has always been... Why are you laughing? No. He has always been one of my absolute favourite actors. Yeah. Because he has had quite a tough journey to become a famous actor. Yeah. He's worked really hard and he's in interviews and everything. He's very honest about his way to fame yeah. and to being such a great actor. And it's always been amazing for me to listen to him talk about how... You de- dealt with rejection at auditions and everything because it makes me think, wow, he gets rejected at auditions and he's so amazing. It's yeah. okay to be rejected sometimes. What film have you enjoyed the most from I think, him? honestly, this is a cliche, but yeah. I love Titanic yeah. because it's a very emotional film. Yeah. And I also liked Inception, which yeah. was a very, for me, very hard to understand. Yeah. But very, again, emotional and tense in a way great film which I really loved watching I remember watching um, Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet which I always call Romeo plus Juliet nice. <laughs> um, and I was in a cinema a reasonably small cinema that was you know the audience were uh, about 70% female 30% uh, male <laughs> And you had all the guns and the Hawaiian shirts and whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you had the opening shot of Leo leaning over his diary with his <laughs> hair flopping over his yeah. foot hand. I swear the air in the cinema was sucked out of the room <laughs> as 70% of the audience just <laughs> breathed in tightly at that beautiful shot. Um, so... Uh, we're going to chat in a moment about uh, just remind ourselves of the dates and the performance times for um, Magician's Dilemma. But I want to sort of um, close because this will be a reasonably um, comparatively short podcast tonight because uh, we're at the jukebox uh, and we're in the theatre. We're in about you know, ten minutes' time. We're going to be having um, the next section of um, Ironclad Improv. Mm-hmm. If you're listening to this now, you're too late. You know we've yeah. already gone through uh, recording <laughs> it's stuff. It's, like it's, it's already happened. But you know if you happen to be listening to this on a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> You're in time. You just come along. <laughs> so either way, it works. Um, but before we get to the end, I want to um, ask you a couple of questions that we tend to try and close lots of our podcasts with. Because uh, you're both uh, currently based in Brighton, mm. all the surrounds, and uh, you know you're right. You John, you're you're writing and um, you, you're you're reading and whatever. And do you write at all, Sophie? I do actually. Yeah. I'm working on a novel at the moment. What sort of novel? All, it's all top it's an autopsy. It's top secret. Or a top, top secret. Uh, so you, you can't discuss it. But you see, you're, you're writing as well, which yes. is um, a great um, 
thing for my purposes in terms of when you are writing uh, it might be that you you can only work at home that's that's fine but um ma- many people actually quite find it useful to write or at least make notes or research yeah. outside is there um a coffee shop or, or a bar that you tend to hang out at john that you might be my... seen at it, where, where, where have you been known to um, hang out and have baked goods? <laughs> well, I've been known to to write mainly in a very peculiar way. Yeah. Uh, which does require me to be at home. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I pretty much lock myself away and, and, and don't eat or sleep very much. Uh, or even emerge from the covers. Yeah. I kind of lay in bed, have my computer on my pillow. Yeah. And that's pretty my... Po- that's pretty much my position for about a couple of months. Yeah, yeah. Until yeah. maybe half a page gets written. That seems like a, a fairly good average, I think. Yeah. Um, Sophie, you're presumably not in the same place. You're, you're elsewhere. So um, you, because I do acting mostly, yeah. I work a lot of, on, like, on characteristics yeah. and what people are like, their expressions and everything. And honestly, I've tried it in public. Yeah with people in cafes and you just get very weird looks when you talk to yourself. <laughs> I can appreciate that, yes. So what I love to do is take my car, drive into a forest, drive out to a lovely nature reserve, yeah. for example, Seven Sisters Country Park, it's yeah. absolutely beautiful, I love that place, and do it there. But when I do any writing work or anything that doesn't involve talking or looking weird in any yeah. way, <laughs> I love hanging out at a little coffee shop in Brighton or more Hoyford, really. Yeah. It's called the Revival Coffee Shop. Oh, yes. Yes, we know that. Yes. It's one of my favorites and one of my dearest friends works there. So okay. always a pleasure going there. Not because you get free coffee, just because you actually like to sort of hang out with your friend. <laughs> I get 10% off. So. <laughs> so, and that's Revival. Um, um, not all of our listeners will get 10% off... Uh, um, coffee, but you know, if you if you happen to know somebody in a coffee shop, you might get some sort of exactly, percentage yeah. discount. Mm-hmm. Um, when you were younger, guys, when you were younger, um, did you ever have like a, an invention or like an idea for a book or a film or a creation that you came up with when you were younger, but didn't actually do anything with, and then somebody else is beating you to the punch? I mean, for John, for you, for you, it might be a particular version of a magic trick or whatever. Um, do you have an answer for that? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I actually created uh, one of Dynamo's tricks before he did it. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> and that hurt. Yeah, I can imagine. That, that really hurt, actually. Um, sadly, I'm, I'm not... sorry, you know. Yeah. Very sorry. That must have been... <laughs> that must have been I mean, we, we, we say the word hurt always flippantly, but it must have genuinely been quite painful. Yeah. To sort of yeah, see I, that. Yeah, I, I half cried. Yeah. I, I... That would be a trick if you could half cry, if you could like have tears and from then have one eye. yeah, yeah, sure. Just, just tears from one eye. Yeah, that's pretty much what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> and Sophie, have you ever had an idea, an invention that no. somebody else beat you to? No. Yeah. Unfortunately, not. I'm no. not that creative. Or My most your... creative invention is actually eating banana with pesto. Ooh. Banana with pesto. <laughs> That makes me cringe a little bit. Are you, are you, are you half crying, John? That, that's <laughs> a half crying. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, it's yeah. amazing and it happened by accident. I ate a banana. <laughs> oh, no, no, did it. <laughs> I was eating a banana yeah. and I was... Are you fell into some pesto? <laughs> it actually did. Like, I had a plate of salad in yeah. front of me, ate a banana. The last bit of the banana fell on yeah. the plate. And 
it like was smooth, like loads of sure, pesto, yeah. wasn't it? So I just ate it anyway. Yeah. And I was like, wow, it's amazing. So I got another banana and kept dipping it into yeah. pesto. It was amazing. And have you, at you know, parties when you've run out of baked goods, have <laughs> you, have you, have you, have you shared this with other people? <laughs> no, I haven't. I'm going to try and make you try it though. Amazing. It would be. It'd be great to see your face. <laughs> it, it, it would be. It, uh, I'm looking at John's face now. The magic trick would be not only making the uh, banana pesto disappear, but about what eight to ten minutes later, making it reappear again. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. I'm not sure from what ending. No, no, let, let's not go there. Let's not go there. Um, and the other question I want to ask you, both you guys, is: Is there um, anything that you're listening to, or reading, or watching, or downloading at the moment that you'd want to give a shout out to? Is there anything that you're probably too busy at the moment? But... Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I discontinued my life uh, <laughs> yeah, about six months ago uh, in order to to do this play. But th- when I was doing a lot of the initial writing, I was also reading a book. I don't really want to mention, but I will. Called uh, Carter Beats the Devil, which oh, was, yes, which was recommended to me highly from a friend, uh, and he said you have to read this book. And I went okay, because I'm not a fan of reading uh, fiction. Yeah, I struggle with it a lot. I read way too slow for it to be enjoyable. Okay, so I prefer movies. Yeah, uh, I read too fast for me to be to, oh, really? to be enjoyable. Yeah, you just whiz I straight for I literally. Overjump a whole <laughs> sentence sometimes, and I'm like, "Let's get to the most interesting part." Uh, I'll just skip a few I'm pages. So you're reading books when somebody says, "And the murder was Veronica." You go, Who's Veronica? <laughs> literally, that was literally me. It's so bad. Luckily, I don't do that with scripts. No, no, that would be unfortunate, <laughs> wouldn't it? Be terrible. Uh, okay, so, okay, Sophie, can, can you do that again, but with the words? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That wouldn't be good at all. So Carter Beats the Devil, which is a kind of a Flashman, sort of yeah. um, old style, yeah. sort of, is it like a magician as detective sort of story, is that right? Uh, or? Yeah, well it's a, it's quite, an, well when it was written it was a very new style of writing yeah. as well I think, uh, and a completely new genre of kind of a magic trick in itself in the writing, uh, yeah. as well as a kind of whodunit type setup, as well as deconstructing who a magician is and what makes or what could make someone a magician. Yeah. Uh, so it was a lot of things packed into one story, which yeah. I, I still haven't finished, however. But it's, it's been part of, not necessarily part of the DNA of the show, but it's certainly allowed you to sort of fit your ideas into yeah. place. Yeah. yeah, I'm not uh, 100% yeah. proud of this, but it did help me a lot in realizing what i could do with my story but i think that i think that's fair i think there's no sense of um obviously there's no sense of plagiarism or whatever but to read I think that's why presumably you're reading a play a day is yeah. to sort of like allow yourself to go oh i oh i am yeah. going along the right path yeah. I, this, this 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 does work it's nice to see what other people have done yeah so you're not scared to be going well this might not work I, i'm not sure if anyone else has done this yeah probably if they haven't it's for a good reason this is true yeah yeah <laughs> so it's nice to go oh so you can do that yeah okay well then my idea would fit yeah, absolutely. Nice. And Sophie, has there been like a film or podcast or book that you're you're into at the moment that you want to give a shout out to? Well, I'm gonna be cliche again. I is it Titanic the series? Because <laughs> <laughs> because I've seen I've seen the finale of season one, and I don't know where they could go <laughs> after that. He swam away. Oh, did he? Well, the, the door was big enough. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was. He stuck under it, and when they lifted the door out, they didn't realize he was there. I'll never let and you he go. Just ran away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. 
there was, there was there was for a short time genuine talk about Titanic 2 and oh. we would see Leo as a wide boy in the night, in the depression era in New York oh, for God. some reason that didn't happen oh yeah. no no, no. I but would that, love to see more but that honestly. wasn't that wasn't what you were going to talk about no I am absolutely in love with a series called Stranger Things oh yes so many people love it and honestly I think the acting performance of Millie Bobby Brown yeah um, is absolutely amazing and I look up to her so yeah. much and yeah. I watch it mainly because of her because yeah. she's such an amazing actress it's a really clever performance from uh, I think what she's 14 at the moment and so, I think so yeah. such a young performer and yeah. all of them actually it's, I yeah. mean the comedic yeah. chops from some of those uh, boys mm-hmm. is really impressive in yeah. a way that you wouldn't necessarily expect no, yeah. from such young performers mm-hmm. and the second series has only gotten better to yeah. me. I watched the final episode and I cried like. Yeah. I watched it over and over again because yeah. I loved it so much and I cried happy tears. Yeah. So. Which well, is how? Uh, if you don't mind me asking, how old are you? Sophie? I am eighteen at the moment. You're eighteen. But I will be nineteen in like less than a month now. Which is interesting in terms of because so much of the DNA of Stranger Things mm-hmm. is a nostalgia project. It's people who grew up in the eighties and uh, read Stephen King paper books mm-hmm. or uh, paperbacks or had horror films on VHS or sci-fi films on VHS. That whole idea for, particularly if you're American, of um, having pizza delivered or a 7-Eleven open till 11 o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. And you, presumably, you you were born into an era like that. I was was born in 98, actually. So you were born in 98. You, you, if I've got my maths right, you don't particularly remember a non-internet age, really. I don't at all. Internet and mobile phones have always exist yeah exactly and so for you it's you're in theory a very different audience member than the the cast and crew and directors Maybe, yeah. of Stranger Things oh, weren't yeah. necessarily aiming at mm-hmm. but you, you, you'll still get the kick out of it I really do I think it's amazing and it's actually gotten me into like 80s kind of like, yeah, vibes yeah. again like I started listening to 80s music yes. occasionally and yeah are, are you a Tiffany girl or a Debbie Gibson girl oh it hasn't happened for you yet okay never mind <laughs> I just like how you said it got me back into the 80, 80s vibe again. Like you had almost lived it once. Yeah, sure. I had, like, I had a double life. I'm actually yeah. 40, you know. Or 50. I don't know. <laughs> However the maths work, yeah. Um, so what, uh, John, what, um, this is our last question to each other uh, for Sophie's benefit. What, sort of 80, <laughs> what, what 80s film should we recommend to Sophie? Ooh. Well, I'm I'm definitely not old enough to answer that question. <laughs> I have no idea of what an eighties film even includes. Uh, I think I love, love, love Back to the Future. Oh, that's the correct answer. Yes, you're the absolutely trilogy. right. See, like I don't even know amazing. that's from the eighties. It's eighty-five. It's like 85, right? Yeah, it is 85. Um, the, certainly the year that he keeps on going back to and mm-hmm. is 85. And he went forward in time to 2015. Yeah. He did, which is now the past. I know, mm. isn't that crazy? Yeah. But I was obsessed with that film. I watched it over and over again when I was little. Couldn't stand yeah. it. I Could you not? It. I love <laughs> it. See, I, you said you were going to take a lot of heat from magicians about um, how you feel about magicians. <laughs> it's the not liking Back to the Future. That's what's going to... That's what's going to kill you. And in uh, in an entire appropriate sense, we're not going to give you the opportunity to defend yourself on no, that, even no, if you want. No. no. Um, so, I 
that. If you want to um, turn up with protest banners about how much you love Back to the Future, uh, <laughs> where should they go for Magician's they Dilemma? They should arrive outside the Purple Playhouse Theatre or Grace Air Building yeah. on the top of Montefiore Road. I believe it's number 34 to 36, yeah. Montefiore Road. It's, re- it's reasonably obvious once you get there. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's the church. Yeah, that's on, right. On the corner. And what dates is that? It's the 1st and 2nd of December. And what time? At 7pm and 9pm. So there's two shows on a night. Uh, they're both an hour and a half long. Yep. So we, so it's quite crammed together. Yeah. So you can either choose to turn up at 7 or 9pm. Yeah. Or if you turn up at 7.30 and you're late, then it's fine. So that's The Magician's Dilemma, 1st and 2nd of December. Uh, good luck with it both. Thank, Thank you so uh, much. And have a fantastic time. Goodbye, John and Sophie. Thank, Thank you. Bye. Thank, Thank you so, so much, much for having us. This has been the Cast Iron Theatre Podcast. Presented by Andrew Allen. And edited by Michelle Donk. Music is Chapstick by Everett Armand. Find us on Twitter, cast underscore iron acts. On Facebook, ironclad cast iron, or one word. Our website is castironbrighton.weebly.com. Subscribe to us and rate us on SoundCloud and iTunes. Thanks for listening.